This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. Some startups like Uber had a very bro-like kind of rough culture when they were in their early stages. And there's so many high-tech companies today, like Facebook and Google, who obviously kind of set the stage. And they all have such a reputation for these big, futuristic, beautiful office spaces and flexible work policies. A lot of people associate that with their culture. You also have pretty much every tech and software company these days who is embracing a very free work schedule. They have also modern office spaces with ping pong tables and beer in the kitchen on tap and all of these cool things. Yet, as my guest in this episode, Michael Sombert of Rebel Culture describes, none of these things are what culture actually is or where it starts. So I hope that you enjoy our 30-minute high-impact conversation about the value of culture within your company and in it you get two Michaels, two rebels, uh, who are extremely passionate about treating people the right way, about culture, but really about setting the tone with everything from the way you advocate for clear and communicative candor with your team to really promoting and embodying the right values within your organization and, you know, really creating a space of open dialogue, truth, and creativity, which is what culture is all about for me. And that was really the biggest takeaway that I had from our conversation. All right. I hope you guys like it. We'll jump right in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grow and Monetize podcast. Today, you've got not one, but two rebels named Michael in the same space Same space here. Um, <laughs> I'm joined by Michael Sombert, founder and CEO of Rebel, Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Michael has coached leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world, and he's on a mission to transform the way that teams operate to increase employee satisfaction, performance, and overall success in industries on a global scale. Michael, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, man. I love uh, hanging out with other Michaels. Uh, I like your intro. It was, uh, it was cool. Brother. Thanks for the... Uh, for the hospitality. Yeah, for sure. So what we're going to be talking about today is, is broadly speaking culture. So I know you help companies that are, you know, ready and willing to change the status quo to defy the odds and really capitalize on their potential to embrace what you call rebel culture. Talk a little bit about the genesis of what that is and what this idea means for the companies that you're seeing embrace it within their teams. <laughs> So I worked in education for a lot of years. That's what my other company, Skyrocket Education, does. We coach school leaders and teachers in uh, urban school districts around the country. And I became fascinated really early on. You know, our schools are located in some of the, the toughest neighborhoods in the, in the U.S. And to the point where when the Uber driver drops us off, they're usually like, hey, I, I think you're going to the wrong place. And we're like, no, no, I'm actually supposed to, supposed to be going here, right? And I became obsessed really early on with how uh, two schools blocks from each other with the mm -hmm. same student population, the same poverty, the same crime, um, all the same challenges, how two schools just blocks from each other could have radically different cultures. And I saw that it was, there were intentional moves that the leaders in those buildings were making. They were, they were these rebels who said, yeah, I, I know all the challenges 
that are happening here. I don't care, right? We're going to have a great team. We're going to work incredibly well together. Everybody here is going to be excited about the job. And so I started to look at other other uh, industries and said, like, are these rebels out there in other places as well? You know, there's a narrative about bosses, about leaders that we're jerks and we don't listen and we're unkind and we only care about the bottom line. My kids were telling me about SpongeBob SquarePants' boss the other day, who I don't know who it is, but they were saying that he's a, he's a jerk and he only cares about money. And, he's just, and so I was like, where are the rebels? And so we found a bunch of rebels and we coached a bunch up and we found all these people who were like, yeah, I, I get that 65% of the current workforce is looking for other jobs. And, and, and like, it's not going to happen here, right? Everybody's going to stay here and we're excited to be here. So um, that's the mission, man, right there. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, culture is such an interesting word. I think it means a lot of different things to different people. You know, some startups like Uber, for example, when they started, had a very bro-like, perhaps rebel oriented type of culture when they were in the beginning stages. And then you have high tech companies like Facebook and Google who have a reputation for being very outside the box in their thinking. And basically every SaaS or tech company out there is embracing this like free and flexible work schedule and these modern office spaces with ping pong tables and beer and thirsty Thursdays and all of this stuff. Um, in your experience, what, what makes for a strong culture in the workplace? Like what's, what's it really about at its core? Yeah, it's actually not about the stuff that um, that you're talking about with those companies. And, and in fact, employees report out that those things are only uh, value valued and valuable when the when they feel like they're when employees feel like they're a part of something bigger, when they feel like there's an impact that the people um, that the people in the organization are intending to have when communication is. Uh, happens proactively. It happens often when folks are getting feedback on their job, on their job performance, when they are being coached up, um, when folks are, you know, connected to a shared set of, of, of values. Um, you know, the, 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 I read a study the other day, 91% of people in the workforce want their bosses to hold everybody on the team more accountable. Think about that. Nine out of 10 employees is saying, I want, I want myself and my colleagues to be held more accountable. So yogurt bars and thirsty Thursdays. And, you know, we visited some companies where they, they play soccer during lunch and that's cool. Um, but if you and I work together, Michael, and I, you're constantly doing your work and I'm missing deadlines and mm -hmm. I'm showing up late and I am, I am making your job harder because I'm not doing th like that, that stuff tears culture apart so yeah. those other things are cool i've seen a lot of that yes. overwhelmingly it's not what folks are reporting that they want yeah. um if, if unless all those other things are in place and then and then they're much more likely to be to be excited about that stuff yeah 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 and i think especially for this younger cohort you know coming up through the ranks now um which i'm a part of you know um the millennial gen z you know a lot of the things that we see on the outside that a lot of these new and contemporary and innovative companies are offering to employees. That is what I think maybe attracts, you know, those younger, uh, that younger generation, at least initially when they see the perks, right. And the benefits right, of, right. of company. Um, but we shouldn't mistake that for culture, which really starts more at the intrinsic, uh, core of, what a company stands for, why it was built, and why it exists in the first place. Is that pretty much correct? 
Yeah, it's accurate. And I, I say too, like, um, uh, and I don't have a ton of, I don't have a ton of examples of this, but I've seen some where companies are trying to gloss over their own misses and their own lack of, uh, you know, ability to, to provide positive feedback to people and their, uh, their inability to hold people accountable and meetings that, that start late and, and go 45 minutes or 45 minutes late or, or meetings I call meetings to nowhere. There are no agendas. No, yeah. Nobody's like, there's nothing accomplished, right? And like, you're like, you know, the, the whole like, and that sometimes folks are looking for those other things to almost be the, the, the you know, the um, antidote to their own poor leadership. That's that's the wrong way to think about that, right? Um, if I'm a bad boss, um, telling folks that they can, you know, have a beer on Thursdays is not gonna yeah. is not gonna fix that, and it's it's the wrong way for me to be thinking about fixing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were kind of alluding there to, to my next question. Walk me through an example, and it can be real or fictional, sure. of a company uh, who just has a really bad or maybe non deliberate is a better way to put that. Um, uh, uh, defined uh, strategy or approach to building a culture? Like, what would that look like for you? Yeah, so most often it is um, it is just a complete absence of it. Um, right. But the, the, the thing that I see play out most often is a leader who thinks it's all about them, um, is looking more to protect their own ego and their own reputation than to build all the people up around them. Um, they are not connected to the staff, they don't know the staff. They spend a lot of time either in their office or if it's a, a remote company, um, they spend a lot of time on their on their own. Uh, and there's no there's no connection to, you know, what we stand for, our, our mission, our values. Um, you know, we worked with a company recently who said, hey, we don't have the um, we don't have the uh, right people on board. And uh, I said, well, who, who hires the people? And they're like, well, you know, we do. I mean, they, they knew I was getting them. I'm like, well, you don't have the right people on board. Who hired them? Well, we did. Okay, got it. So whose fault is this? Is it, is it theirs or is it yours? But I said, what does your hiring process look like? Is there any mention of what the company stands for, the impact you all intend to have? Are the, are the hiring protocols, or do they mimic what it's actually going to look like to work there? So if a company really cares about feedback, is there an opportunity for that person to give and receive feedback in the yeah. in the meeting, right? If they really care about data, is there an opportunity for that person to to crunch a data set and to to run a meeting, with kind of like a faux meeting in an interview, where they're where they're using data to to lead it? None of those things existed, uh, and so now we have people who are and and to be clear, the organization had a set of val sh shared values. They just they never talk about them, right? They they created them in an exercise at a at a retreat one year and then never talked about them again and didn't didn't operate in in those ways. And so, yeah. really, like I'd say the other thing too, and I mentioned it earlier a little bit, but like just super low accountability. We don't do what we say we're going to do. If that if we don't, nothing happens. Yeah. Um, people are finding, um, you know, and so I talk to employees all the time who are like, they're they, they they're kind of successful or not successful, like in spite of. The, the bosses, they've gotten to a place where they're like, yeah, you know, my boss is just is blah, blah, blah. Like I do my work, I go home, um, but they don't, but they don't, they don't help me much. And, and working here doesn't really mean much. What signals do you look for or what signs do you look for when you come into a company to say they're actually going to be not just willing to, you know, look at implementing some new structure around culture, but that we're actually going to be successful in doing so here? 
Yeah, I mean, it's less signs and more like really clear, uh, a really clear setting of the expectations of what working with us will be like. We tell people right off the bat, this is not for the faint of heart. This is yeah. not going to be um, a lot of theory. Uh, we're actually going to get really, we're going to have some uncomfortable conversations. I'm going to challenge your mindsets. We're going to ask you to, to, to have um, to put yourself in, in a place of what we call transformational discomfort, where um, you, you, you're going to feel really uncomfortable at places, but um, there's going to be growth on the other side of it. And so we, we pride ourselves on really not hiding the ball. I think, you know, I've seen bad, bad partnerships emerge from people getting something different than what they thought they were getting. And so we never do that. Um, if I were to work with a, you know, if you were, uh, if you brought us in, we'd say, Hey man, it's gonna be a real challenge. It's gonna be really challenging. Here's what we're going to need from you. The time commitment, like, you, you know, responsiveness in between our, our visits. Yeah. Uh, and if the person's either not up for it or their answers are concerning, uh, or they feel like, um, they're, they're maybe just telling me or, or our team what they, what we want to hear will push a little harder. Um, but we'd, we'd rather not, not partner with somebody if they're not going to do it the right way. Hey, this is Michael. I'm popping in for 20 seconds here to challenge you to take the next step in your growth journey. I've helped over 40 business owners amplify their operation inside of my immersive one-on-one, -on -one, which is unlike any other coaching program out there. We'll be getting hands-on, doing content planning, script writing, ads optimization, customer mapping, and a lot more. So if it makes sense to chat, the link to schedule your call is in the description. All right, back to the show. I guess what, you know, what tangible differences have you been able to pull out um, and see with companies that you know have thriving cultures or have taken steps to to get there versus those who have neglected to address it? Yeah. So one of the things that's really valuable, and I'm surprised that more leaders don't do this, but I guess it's one of the reasons why we exist is yeah. to actually solicit feedback from their employees and to hear what's actually happening on the ground and to hear from people what working there actually feels like. And so we've seen everything from, you know, uh, like a, you know, 50 to 70% increase in survey results from when we got there to a just a few months later um, to the leaders themselves talking about how they feel uh, much more empowered, um, much happier, much yeah. more comfortable in their leadership skin. We've seen meetings that go, as I mentioned, to the, those meetings to nowhere, to what we call meetings that matter, where they're agenda-driven. Folks have tangible and actionable next steps walking out of them. They have super high accountability around around those different around all the different things that they agreed to do. So it depends really what we're focused on in, a, in an organization. Yeah. Um, but we've yet to have a partnership where, where folks haven't shifted um, mm -hmm. particularly in terms of like what the people who work there are saying about what it feels like to work there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I just finished the book masters of scale by Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. Read it. Yeah. Um, he has a couple chapters in there dedicated to culture. And I find it really interesting how some startups seem to have a great culture from the jump, but the majority don't even think about it until later on because they're so busy growing and scaling the business, understandably so. So when and how should startups be thinking about culture? Is this one of the first things that they need to be doing when they start hiring or do you worry about it later on in favor of scaling the, the business? No, and in fact, when we found folks, folk, when folks focus on it later on, it's because it's emerged as a trouble spot. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, like this thing is not, 
like we've got a problem. Folks are gossiping. They're showing up late. They're, you know, that seem like disengaged from the work. Like we're not like, oh, we've got to focus on culture. No, it should be the very first thing. I and mean, look, the product comes first, right? The idea comes first. But right after that should be, hey, what is it going to feel like to work here? What do we care about? What do we maybe not care about, right? Like, what are the things that we're going to be maniacal about making sure live in every interaction, every day, every week, every month? Uh, and they should be they should be thinking about that right from the right from the get go. Um, what do you think most most founders or most C level leaders are missing about culture? Yeah, I mean, there's a certain humility that you have to have. I've never met uh, a leader who has a great culture who hasn't been willing to be super humble, whether that means getting feedback often that's uncomfortable to hear that they have to put like they have to put themselves really out there to receive, whether it's owning like lots of mistakes, owning all mistakes. Right. I mean, we say like everything that happens on your team is is on you, you've either created it or you're allowing it to exist. So when we miss the mark, the leader has to own that. Little things, even like showing up two minutes late for a meeting, just being like, hey, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm running behind, my apologies. I didn't mean to, to make you all, to make you all wait. Um, there's this kind of like pushers. I mean, and then by the way, like standing up in front of the team, whether it's five people or 500 and saying like, hey, I have a new idea. Yeah. And here's why it matters. And I really want your, I want, I want your feedback on this. Um, uh, but I, we're going to do this thing. And I want us to think of how we can, we can do it together. And, and oftentimes those things just sound like here's a shift, um, kind of do as I do, as I say type things. So I've yet to meet a leader with a great culture who hasn't been willing to be super humble, super, yeah. um, super open to feedback, willing to look foolish in front of their team and who hasn't like owned every every single thing that that happens you know sometimes it's funny me michael sometimes leaders get they tell me things that are happening on their team and they act like these things are happening independent of the leader they'll say things like now i've told my team 10 times you know or i've told this person 10 times not to do that and it's just like okay mm -hmm. so that either means um you hired somebody who's uh, not competent which is on you or you're really easy to ignore and people are not responding to your to your feedback, that's on you as well. Um, there, there's just like, you know, uh, it, the, the, they'll share things that almost make it seem like the, the team does whatever they want and that the leader doesn't have control over those pieces. And of course they do. Yeah, I, I think what, to go off that, you know, one of the, the biggest pieces that I have seen and felt with great leaders that the few great leaders that I've, I've had the, the pleasure of working alongside is this idea of radical candor. And um, it's made a huge difference for me being a part of teams in the past where um, those difficult discussions and truth and transparency has been a priority um, yeah. from, from the top down and really helps to set the stage for the type of, of community uh, and company that you, you want to build. You want people to feel comfortable and safe being who they are and sharing what's true for them and the, the things they're struggling with and the, the challenges that they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis. And guess what, guys? It's not always going to be good stuff. It's not always going to yeah. be nice. But if your business is concerned with being nice uh, in, in lieu of, of finding truth and of overcoming and you know, uh, um, building each and every day and becoming better for your team and for your customers, then you're not going to, you're not going to go very far. Michael, what would you add to that? Or are there any other, um, tactics like tangible things that you look for when it comes to culture? 
Yeah, it's great. And I love Radical Candor is a great book as well. We, we use it with a, lot, with a lot of our teams. So um, yes, but the conditions for candor have to be in place. So we have to have a culture where open feedback, honest feedback, where that stuff is modeled from the top, where it's normed, where the high everything from when somebody first interviews for the role where they're actually practicing those pieces what does it look like um to otherwise we're just a company that says we care about a thing um but we don't actually practice the thing and i see that play play out a lot um you know another big thing man and it's not sexy but it's around accountability is a huge thing right if we say we're going to do x thing we have to do it and 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 making sure that uh, and accountability doesn't have to be a bad word. It's not you're in trouble, Michael. It's like, hey, how come that thing didn't happen? I want to support you on it. What 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 did I miss? Right? What can we? How can we make sure that doesn't happen again? How can I support um, you? Support you in getting this done now. Uh, it, without that, we're just a bunch of people saying a bunch of stuff. And yeah. if you do your job and I don't, nothing really happens. Um, it starts to just break the break the culture uh, break the culture to pieces. Correct. I see that so much. Um, just baseless claims or conjectures or things that sound good, but that are not based in reality or that are underlined by an intention to actually do the thing. I think that's that's a major thing, especially in the, the corporate world today that, um, that, that I've seen. And I know is a, a big thing for a lot of people too. Um, do you think that culture can just develop naturally or do you have to have like a catalyst or a plan in place to actually create it? Yeah, it has to be engineered. There are things that can happen naturally, right? If the, if the leader is um, you know, really great at building relationships, for instance, other people can pick up on that through osmosis. Um, but that's not, that's not culture in its entirety, right? There would, there, there need to be actually engineered intentional moves. Um, and as we said before, um, not just happy hours and gift cards and pool tables and things like that, but like, how are we going to agree to operate? Right. I mean, I, I think about like my companies, um, you know, if somebody's a minute late, they apologize, including me. Um, if somebody, you know, somebody said something the other day, if somebody uses what we call low bar language, right? So if they say something that sounds like, um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's Friday afternoon and people are checked out on Friday afternoons, um, like they, they, nobody on my team would ever say that uh, because we don't operate that way, right? Like it's the same intensity, intentionality on a Friday afternoon as it is on a, on a Monday morning. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter if it's freezing cold out or if it's a thousand degrees, whatever it is like. And so that stuff, and it's all because that stuff is engineered. Um, we don't take things personally on our team. If somebody gives feedback that we don't love, we don't defend, we don't deflect. We just listen. We use it as an opportunity to get better. And that's all because we engineered those pieces versus like, hey, like Michael's really great at getting feedback. You know, uh, Tanya isn't. Um, man, that stinks. Like, I wish she was. I wish she was better at that. Like, no. Like, we're actually going to make this. Uh, part of, you know, embedded in the DNA of the organization has yeah. to be engineered. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. And I want to, I want to end on maybe the biggest opportunity for that we're seeing in the marketplace for companies. And I just, I want to share, you know, my two cents before we end with you. Um, I think the, the really one of the biggest things is 
so many companies, they plaster their values up on the wall, right? Or they, they have them on their website under the, the culture tab buried under, you know, several, several headings, you know, this is what we stand for. And it's all these generic terms like commitment to customers and uh, uh, productivity and um, all of these, all of these aspirational terms, but not enough have actually taken action on what they proclaim to be or do. And I've been really fortunate with my company that we actually, we recognize, we hand out culture awards to individuals that demonstrate those things that we not only proclaim, but that we actually that we actually t take action on and bring to life. Yeah. And we recognize the ways that people are doing that. That's something that has totally changed my outlook on what culture actually means. So for you, um, what do you think is either the biggest opportunity or the thing that you uh, see as being just the, the embodiment of culture in action? Yeah, I mean, everything you just said resonates deeply. We actually have cultural awards at our companies too, which is pretty cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you all do that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, folks have the, I, I talked to a president the other day uh, and I said, uh, she was telling me all about all their culture challenges and talked about their values. And I said, great, what, what, what are your values? I can't find them on the website. And she goes, oh, you're going to make me recite the values. And I'm like, can, I'm like, you can't do that. And she's like, no, I can get some of them. And I'm like, if you can't, recite your values um, there. And so forget about making them live. If you don't even know them, right. I mean, like we can't like, you don't ask me how dinner was when I can't even find the restaurant. Uh, and I said, Hey, well, what percentage of your staff would know your six values? What percentage? This was hundreds of people. She's like probably 20%. That might be high. Um, if we are not like values, that's not just some exercise you do and then never come back to it's the, thing it is like we have to agree to operate in certain ways we have to hold each other accountable when we're not and so for me the embodiment of culture is a team where everybody regardless of uh what their role is regardless of their background regardless of how long they've been there regardless of whether they work remotely or in person that everybody is aligned behind the organization's purpose behind the organization's values uh, and the impact that the organization is is uh, is attempting to have yeah yeah hundred percent. We're coming right up on a half hour. This has been an incredible uh, deep dive in a very short time into some of the most important aspects around culture. Uh, guys, you can check out Michael's website and team at rebelculture.com. Michael, where else can people go to find out more about you or uh, yeah, look to learn more? Yeah, we, we have all the social. Check me out, Michael Sonberg at LinkedIn and Instagram, Rebel Culture Leaders at Instagram. Just uh, launched a Twitter page. I have three followers on Twitter. I just launched, so come follow me. And uh, I wasn't going to do Twitter, but then I was like, ah, let me just let me just go in there. But folks, if folks are interested, they can just email me, michael at rebelculture.com. I'd love to chat with your audience. Beautiful. Thank you so much for this time, brother. Great conversation. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Michael. Hey guys, if you found value in this episode, it would mean the world to me if you share it with a friend and on social media and be sure to tag me so that I can repost and please rate and review as everything helps so that I can get this knowledge to as many people as humanly possible. All right. I'll see you in the next episode.
That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things. And hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you. And that's it. I will see you in the next episode.